The title of the message is, Be Careful for Nothing. Be Careful for Nothing. Now, I know you've heard messages on this verse. Some of you probably have the verse memorized. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you all, but I need my mind and my heart to be kept. I need my emotions to be guarded and protected and held by God. And I need the anxious, crazy thoughts of my mind to be uh, settled down and comforted and directed by Him. That only comes through the peace of God, which is beyond our understanding. God's put a message on my heart today that I haven't mastered. And and maybe none of the messages I preach I've figured out. But I just want you to know this is one I struggle with. But it doesn't change that I need to preach it. So maybe I need to hear it more than anyone else. That's okay. I struggle with this. The reason I use this King James language for the title, Be Careful for Nothing, is because a, a, a lot of the, the newer translations, they, they get to the laser focus of it. Don't be anxious. It's, that's what it's saying. Don't be anxious. But I wanted to use this phrasing, be careful for nothing, because it seems even bigger. Because some of you would hear, don't be anxious, and you would think, okay, I won't be anxious, but that means I can still go micromanage everything. I'm not anxious, I'm just making sure it's how it should be. I'm not anxious, I'm just a little bit worried about my children or my grandchildren. I'm not anxious, I'm just taking a lot of care to be sure things are right. Jesus meant what He said when He said, take no thought for the morrow. And Paul meant what he said here when he said, be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. Ah. I told you, this message might be a lot of confession for me so many times. I don't feel like a worrier. And I don't think I am in, in that, like I don't have a temperament of a worrier. But how often do I rely on my own ability instead of God? And that's where all of my carefulness, my anxiousness, my worry comes from. We all know this, but we forget it. I'm not going to tell you anything new, probably. It's probably all things you already know. But times uh, like this, the Lord puts it on our hearts, we need to be reminded of simple truth. Did you know, let me, you might not understand this, did you know you don't have to worry? Some Christians have never figured out they don't have to worry. Did you know it's not necessary to worry? Did you know that? And you have people in your life you care about, and a lot of you, maybe you don't worry about your own life. God's going to take care of me. I know He is, but I'm worried about my grandbabies. You get worried about how their parents are parenting them. They're not doing it the way you would have, or maybe the best way, or maybe there's things that are wrong with what they're doing. I talk to a lot of people who have grandkids and they're worried about it. doesn't mean you shouldn't care. But did you know your worry is not going to help anything? Did you know worry doesn't produce anything useful? Did you know that? And yet we still worry a lot. Now some of you might say, I don't worry. Yeah, you do. You just call it something else. 
Some of you might have been so broken in your life, been through such difficulties that you've gotten to the end of yourself and maybe you really do live in faith. That's where I want to get. Do you know there's moments in my life and seasons where I have experienced this? But I go right back to being my old self. And I don't say that like embarrassed. I just say it. That's just, it's a struggle. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. I've got some different Bible verses and not really many notes, just mainly scriptures and definitions. So I want to look at that real quickly and then just continue with what's on my heart. I already mentioned a lot of the newer translations. They say, do not be anxious. New International Version says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your requests to God. Do you know you're supposed to come to the Lord and say, Father, this is what I need. We've taught our little girl, you don't get everything you want. She's smart enough now, she just says, I need it. (laughs) Dada, I need chocolate. (laughs) But you know the difference in the simple wants and the deep needs. It's okay, and you should bring your petitions to God. I like this version. It says, do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and thank Him for all He has done. Yeah, beautiful. What if every time we started to worry, we started praying instead? I mean, really praying. Your worries would evaporate. I've experienced that, and I've experienced the opposite. And so have you, probably. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and pleading with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. That's the New American Standard Bible. I like that one. Because it captures the idea of supplication. There's a sincerity in it. And then Amplified Version says, Do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, in every circumstance and every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific requests known to God. Do you know you can tell God exactly what you desire? You don't have to just pray vaguely. A lot of times we pray, Lord, if it's your will. Do you know it's not really even necessary to couch it like that? Because if you're praying from the depths of your need, you don't have to worry about if it's his will or not. He's going to help you. Do you understand that? You don't have to worry about, maybe I shouldn't really ask for that. I don't know if that's what... If you're praying from the depths of your heart, just pray and let him do what he's going to do. That's part of what this is talking about. You you don't have to figure out the right thing to pray. You just seek the Lord. Make your specific request made known to God. Now, before I go further in this, he it's fascinating, interesting, and, and, and important that he says in everything by prayer and supplication. Why do you say both of those words? Is that redundant? Why is he repeating himself? Did he forget he just said prayer? Wouldn't it have been enough to just say... He uses two different Greek words on purpose. And you can take your time researching this sometime, but I want to tell you a little bit of what I found. The first word translated as prayer in King James Version is the Greek word prosuche. 
which is really similar to the word proskuneo, which is worship. Y'all know how I keep telling you that prayer is the most pure form of worship that we can give God? It's not a type of music. It's not singing necessarily. It's not a praise band necessarily. But true prayer is always worshipful. This, this, this word prayer has the same root as worship, which means putting yourself on your face before God. This prayer is, uh, let me just read you some of the definition. A place set apart or suited for the offering of prayer, a synagogue, a place in the open air where the Jews were wont to pray, outside the cities where they had no synagogue, or such places that were situated on the bank of a stream or the shore or a sea where there was a supply of water for washing the hands before prayer. So there is in this word a, a sense of publicness, of of routine, of maybe religion, of formality. These are the prayers that people know about. These are the prayers we pray when we come together. In everything with prayer. The Apostle Paul says, you need something, pray about it. Pray. These are the routine prayers. The before bedtime prayers. The before meals prayers. The prayers that you pray because you're supposed to. The other one. Prayer and supplication. The word for supplication. These are the prayers born from our innermost needs that we almost can't even pray out loud. Because we might not even know for sure exactly what it is. I've been through seasons in my life, and I pray you have too, even though it's terribly uncomfortable, where the only thing I could pray was, God, you have to help me. Almost not even a request, but a declaration of reality. You have to help me. That's supplication. Supplication is like when Hannah was praying for a son. I think it was Hannah. For Samuel. Is that right? I didn't plan on saying this. So I, Samuel's mama was Hannah. Yeah. She was praying so sincerely that the prophet came to her and thought she was drunk. He thought because she, she was praying with her spirit... No words were coming out. Her mouth was moving. He thought she was off a rocker, as we would say. And she was praying. That was supplication. That was her pouring out her needs before God. That wasn't the word for prayer. That wasn't prosuke. That was this other Greek word, supplicating. God, I have... She needed a son. And her brokenness led to God's people being given a prophet that they all needed. Let me tell you, especially you women, don't ever diminish the power of your own pain. It's not no big deal when you feel broken. You don't have to try to pretend it's not hard. Sometimes God allows it to be hard for a reason. In fact, often. And we're going to get to that more in a moment. Anything you go through, God can use and will use and wants to use for your benefit and His glory. Do y'all believe Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to them that love God or call according to His... A lot of people bumper sticker that verse and t-shirt that verse and they don't really understand it. Sometimes that means your life is going to be terribly hard. Some of the best things that have ever happened to me came out of the most trying, difficult situations. 
This word comes from our need, our indigence, our want, our privation. That's what's in the definition of this word. Seeking, asking, entreating, begging. A couple examples of this verse. Luke 1.13, the angel said unto him, or this word, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy supplication, thy prayer, is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. This is a prayer of brokenness. God, you've put a desire in our hearts that we can't make happen. You have to do it. A person who is supplicating to God, their need is so great, their burden is so heavy, their brokenness is so pronounced, that they don't even have the energy to say, if it's your will. You just need it. God listens. He answers. He knows what we need. We don't have to figure it out on our own. We don't have to worry about it. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open to their prayers, their supplications. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. God is going to answer. There, there went. That was just Bible verse. That's not my sermon. Here's, here's my real notes. <laughs> you know what that means? This message is in my heart. It's not on paper. And it might not be as polished or as smooth, but I just want to come from my heart today. The first part of this verse, be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. Do not be anxious. Brothers and sisters, how often does Scripture say something like this? Phrased in all different ways, in all different situations, from all kinds of different people, to all kinds of different people. The Lord told Joshua, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. The Lord told Moses similar things. All through Scripture we see teachings and admonitions and reminders. Have faith. Be of good cheer. Take heart. Do not worry. Do not be anxious. Take no care. Take no thought. Everything about your human nature that plans, worries, schemes, strategizes is unnecessary if you're a child of God. I'm preaching you something that's true, but I don't even believe it most of the time because I'm so human. And I'm sorry, Lord, for that because He provides everything we need. All of your worry is unnecessary. Take heart, have courage, be strong and courageous, stand. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come nigh thee. A righteous man's steps are ordered by the Lord. Though he fall, he will not be utterly cast down. Listen, either you believe that or you don't. I'll tell you myself, and it's probably true of you, sometimes I live like I believe it and sometimes I don't. But there's been seasons in my life where I lived like I believed it and I looked around and I said, God, everything you've brought me to and brought me through is you. I had a week like that this week. Nothing, nobody else would have noticed. It wasn't big stuff. But on Monday, I spent 45 minutes talking to my electrician about the Lord. 
And how we have a heart to raise our children for God. We're sitting there 6 o'clock in the morning going through the house where there's the wiring going and burning trash and he just stay, we just talk. The righteous man's steps are ordered by the Lord. God meant for us to be in that place at that time to encourage each other. That wasn't an accident. Now, I had to get up at 4.30 to get over there. That was a little bit uncomfortable. Big deal. God used it. I had other conversations with people this week that were encouraging. I met a man yesterday. I showed him a house that, that he was maybe interested in buying. And God meant for us to meet. It wasn't about the house. We started talking again about... I just mentioned having a daughter and praying for wisdom. because I said, I'm, love is not an issue. I'm not worried about if I love her enough. I need wisdom. And he said, you know, I, I used to be an atheist. till I was 25... I was a belligerent atheist. And I said, what happened? And he said, I was convicted. I said to myself, that's an interesting way of putting it. Not many people use that phrase. He said, I used to fight and battle against people. One day God got a hold of me and showed me. He said, I didn't even believe in God. I didn't believe in God. I didn't believe in hell. And all of a sudden I knew I was going to hell. I said, did you just go to church? He said, I I was as far away from church as I could be. I hadn't been to church in years. I said, wow. He told me about God saving him, transforming his life. He said it was a supernatural change. He said, he made me a new person. I said, amen. I told him about being saved. He said, you know what? He said, when God started dealing with me and I knew I was lost, I called my brother. My brother had been praying for me for years because God saved him earlier. He said he never was hard on me or pushed me. He didn't try to make me religious or make me go to church. But he was who I wanted to call when God said, you are separated from me. But God saved me. Changed my life. Praise His holy name. Listen, God meant for us, me and this man, to have that conversation. And this big old boy, big guy, we're leaving. I say, you mind if I give you a hug? (laughs) Gave each other a big hug and I said, I don't care if you buy a house with me or not. I'm just glad I met a brother in the Lord. Praise His holy name. Now, God brought me to the place to be able to say that from my heart because the last few weeks and months, all I've been worried about is if I'm going to sell any houses, make enough money to take care of things. I haven't had the faith I want to have. My mama last week asked you all to pray for my business. And guess what? I haven't got any more money, but I'm not worried about it. Today, I might be tomorrow. <laughs> God is faithful. Righteous man's steps are ordered by the Lord. He took me there to see that man at that time. Not by accident. And by the way, I'm not trying to holler at y'all, but sometimes these, the Lord is too big to just sit there and talk about Him quietly. He's good. Whew. Be careful for nothing. The next part of this verse, in everything. How many of you need to be reminded that God is, can be, wants to be Lord over everything? Everything in your life. I do. Sometimes I pray about big things and worry about little things. Isn't that something? I mentioned this last Sunday. I don't worry about people being lost. I pray about it. 
but I worry about if I'm going to get a flat tire and the inconvenience of it or something silly. Listen, we tend to live lives as if there's things we should pray about and things we need to pray about, but most of the rest of our lives we just need to handle and figure out and do. Isn't that generally how we live? And that's not necessary. Now, understand, because there were people in the first century, Jesus had just left, and they were sitting on a hill waiting for him to come back. They didn't understand what he meant. And I don't want anybody here to misunderstand. I'm not telling you don't get a job. Don't make a living. Don't pay your bills. That's just silly. What I am telling you is God will provide for you. You do what you can do and He'll do everything else. And what you can do is not that much. And all of my worry is rooted in me thinking I can do something I can't do. You know I worry about y'all. Every one of you. Not constantly, but at times. I want your lives to be what they should be. I want you to have peace. I want your prayers to be answered. Do you know that's something I can't do anything about except pray? I worry when I think maybe I hurt your feelings or think maybe I said something too hard or... Can't do anything about it. Here's what I can do. I can love you. I can preach the truth. If you get mad at me and you don't tell me, that's not my fault. It doesn't help me to worry about it. It doesn't help you to worry about it. I have an obligation to tell the truth. You have an obligation to be honest. And we all have an obligation and a privilege to take every need and every burden to God. He said, bring me every burden. Bring me every care. Listen, I, you... Maybe you've heard this. Maybe you sort of believe it. I want you to get it. Nothing is too small to take to God. You want some little dogs? Pray about it. Maybe you have already. But she told me. She said, I'm looking for some dogs. She meant it. It's a need from her heart. That was that uh, uh, Oreo she lost was one of her little best friends. It's not no big deal. There aren't things too small to take to... When you're a, a parent and you have a small child and they come to you with something they think is big and you know is small, do you think, just go handle it on your own, kiddo? No. God doesn't think that about us. Bring me every need. Bring me every care. He says, be careful for nothing, but in everything. Everything. That Greek word there, I looked it up, it's, it's the word pos, it means all. All-encompassing. Everything in your life. By prayer and supplication. Public and private prayers both. Those prayers of routine and those prayers born of such deep need that they might not even have words. You know the Holy Spirit prays for us with... My grandfather used to teach us that. He prays for us with groanings that cannot be uttered in human speech. Wow. Feel like you can't pray for yourself? Don't be too hard on yourself about that either because the Holy Spirit prays for you. You remember Peter? He was, in some ways, he certainly thought of himself this way, Jesus' right-hand man. Though all men forsake you, Lord, I won't. <laughs> and he meant it. 
But, but him meaning it wasn't enough to see it through. <laughs> Only the power of God could have helped him do that. You know, there were a few women at the crucifixion of Jesus who never said anything like that, but God sustained them to be there. <laughs> Isn't that something? There was a time when the Lord told Peter, he said, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. You remember the rest? But I have prayed for you. Oh, the enemy wants to destroy you. He wants to ruin your life. He wants to confound the plans of God. He wants to disorder your steps. But God, through the Holy Spirit, has prayed for you. You don't have to worry about it. Isn't that beautiful? I want to give you something I, I, I got recently, and this is not original, but it's memorable. Prayer. This is a mnemonic thing. Uh, memorable through, through words. Prayer. P-R-A-Y-E-R. Those of you who make notes, you can put it on your paper that way. You can remember this. This is a beautiful way to approach God. Prayer. The P. Praise. You know Jesus taught us that? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. If you begin your prayers to your heavenly Father with praise, with genuine gratitude, with thankfulness, it will reorient the way you look at everything. You don't just praise God when you feel like it. Jesus taught us to praise Him even when we don't feel like it. Sometimes, and I'm not talking about um, fake it till you make it or pretending something is the case that isn't. What I'm telling you is there are times you can speak truth. God is worthy of praise and He deserves our praise and He can be praised. Whether your fickle heart feels like it in the moment doesn't make it any less true. When I uh, sit down or, or get up to pray and I begin saying, I might not feel like it, but Lord, thank you. You woke me up today. You are worthy. You deserve my attention. The more I speak that truth, the more my heart moves in that direction. Praise. The first part of prayer, praise. The second part, repent. Jesus taught us that in His model prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. Sometimes, maybe we start our prayers with repentance. I'm not telling you have to go in this order. I'm just telling you something that's, that's memorable. A good component of, of praying. It's okay if you start with repentance before praising, but I like to start with praising first. Get your heart right. And then, Lord, forgive me. You know, I try to repent right before I preach. I'm over there repenting. It doesn't mean I didn't repent earlier this morning and last night. We sin constantly. Things we don't even know about. King David prayed, God, forgive me for my secret sins. The things that I don't even know I did. Repent. The next one, P-R-A, ask. Ask. Sometimes we pray, we try to pray without really asking what we need. Scripture teaches us you have not because you ask not. James tells us, we talked about this a while back, sometimes you do ask, but it's for the wrong reasons. <laughs> you ask from a, a fleshly selfishness instead of a spiritual need. Jesus says, ask and you shall 
receive. Y'all believe Jesus? You might not believe me. You believe him? He said that. That's not something Brother Josh made up. Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. Knock and the door shall be opened. Seek and you shall find. And in another spot, or maybe a little bit later, he said, which of you, if your child asked you for a fish, would you give him a serpent? And he said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly father? God wants to answer your prayers. He wants to bless you. He wants you to ask. Praise, repent, ask the why. Yield. You might call it surrender. Part of a true prayer from the heart, part of real biblical supplication is this yielding. Now, again, I said earlier, you don't have to couch what you're praying for like, like I don't want to ask this because I don't know if it's your will. You can ask with all of your might and then yield your spirit into the Father's hand. Jesus taught us that. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. He meant that. If there is any way, he asked, he told his father what he wanted, and then he yielded. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine. Praise, repent, ask, yield, the E for prayer. Expect. Y'all don't have to raise your hand, but... Do you actually expect God to answer your prayers? I'll just be honest. A lot of times I pray and I don't really expect a response. It's just that public prayer of routine. Pray because I'm supposed to. Sometimes I pray because I need to. And I don't just expect Him to answer. I know He will because He has to. I don't mean holding Him to something. I mean He has to because if He doesn't, I'm going to break. I'm going to die. You prayed prayers like that? When you're praying like that, isn't there so much peace? Your circumstances might not be easy. They might be very difficult. But there's so much peace when you get to the point of of supplicating and expecting and knowing God will respond. Praise, repent, ask, yield, expect, and the R for prayer, receive. And again, I don't mean this in this sort of modern religious way where God promised you, you just take it. You're going to. Re- That's not what I mean. I mean, some of you are so hard on yourself when you pray and God decides to answer, you're not willing to actually receive it. You don't think you deserve it. It's not about you deserving. It's about the love of your Heavenly Father who wants to give you good gifts. You don't have to be worried about God answering your prayers. You don't have to be worried about God giving you too much. Did you know that? You can receive everything He wants to give you and you're going to be just fine. You get prideful and arrogant, God will bring you low. You don't have to do that to yourself. Just keep your eyes on Him. Don't be afraid to receive what He gives you. Here's the truth about it. What do you have that you didn't receive? That's what Scripture says. Which of you, who has something you didn't receive? And if you received it, why are you boasting as though you didn't receive it? Well, the Apostle Paul wrote in one of his letters. 
You don't be afraid to receive from God. By prayer and supplication. Supplication I already talked about, but pouring out your innermost needs to God. And we're told later in this chapter, the 19th verse, he says, My God shall supply all your need. My God shall supply all your need according to His riches. God pours out to you from His riches. He's not giving you of His lack. And by the way, when we love other people, if you want to do it effectively, it needs to be an overflowing of the riches of God inside of you, not giving to them from what little sparse little bit of energy you have. If you feel like in your life, one more person wants one more thing, I don't think I can do it. What you need to do is get alone with God and get replenished. It's not tiring to help people when God is in it. Your your body might get, don't get me wrong, you might be physically tired, but it's not wearisome when it's overflowing from more than you need. But when you do it out of obligation, expectation, I've tried to figure out for years when it's helpful to help somebody. And it's hard to know. And the, the, the only way I know to process it, you pray about it obviously, but does, does, does me helping this person make me feel resentful or joyful? Am I giving to them because they expect me to and now I'm sort of mad and resentful? Or am I giving... I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about time and emotional energy. Am I, am I giving because it's an overflowing and God has given me more than I need? That's how we're supposed to give. And that is what comes from God. He says, My God shall supply all of your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Everything you need is met in Jesus. Fulfilled in Him. Be careful for nothing, but in everything. We talked about that by prayer and supplication. We talked about that with thanksgiving. You know, you can pray thankfully. And again, I don't mean this. A lot of people make this just sort of like phony. I don't know how else to say it. Lord, I thank you for what you've already done. If you mean it, Okay, but you saying something you don't mean doesn't make it happen. (laughs) That's the difference. Be genuinely thankful. Let your requests be made known unto God. Now, I want to spend the last part of this message on this beautiful verse. That is the, the prescription or the recipe or the formula or the, the pattern to follow. And here's the result. The peace of God. The peace of God. The whole world, including us, are looking, is looking for the peace of God, which passes all understanding. The peace of God, which passes all understanding. Listen, peace is not something just floating around in the air, it's not just a feeling. Colossians 1.20, I want to read you this to help us understand. Peace. Having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself, by Him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, peace was made possible by the blood of Jesus on the cross. 
Peace is real. Do you realize without Jesus doing what he did, there would be no peace? No peace between God and man. No peace between each other. No peace in your life. The blood of Jesus brought peace. So it's not something just kind of floating, just, just a feeling, just an attitude, just a mindset shift. This is real and purchased by the blood of Christ. The peace of God, which passes all understanding. Sometimes we try to produce peace through our own understanding. We try, I wish I could remember the way my wife said it when we were talk, we talked about this a while back. Sometimes we try to engineer circumstances that feel peaceful. I have a lack of peace in my life, so I'm going to try to build some circumstances that make it, me feel peaceful. You know, when my life is out of balance, the dog barking next door is irritating. The kids in the, in the cul-de-sac are irritating. The Amazon driver is irritating. All I want to do is get away. But guess what? Wherever you go, there you are. I'm not going to feel any better when I got away from that stuff. Because that's not the issue. The peace of God which passes all understanding. You don't get it from self-help books. You don't get it from psychology. You don't get it from, from a paradigm shift or a new mindset. All these things have some benefit. But the peace of God passes understanding. It amazes you when you're living in the peace of God. You say, I don't even understand this. I've told you all this, but I don't, I don't have a more powerful example my wife and I get married. Three weeks later, she gets sick. She comes home from a whitewater rafting trip with her kids. She's a school teacher. And, and we've been married three weeks. We didn't live together. So you only know somebody so much until you live with them. And she wakes up. She says, I don't... She had a fever, high fever. And, and, uh, and then a couple days after that said, I don't feel right. My feet hurt. And a couple days after that, we're in the hospital emergency room and she collapses. A couple days after that, she's completely paralyzed from the waist down. A couple days after that, she can't use her hands. A day after that, she's paralyzed from the neck down. My wife. That whole time, was one of the most peaceful times in both of our lives. It was the peace of God which passes all understanding. We didn't know what was going to happen. I'm watching her uh, degenerate, disintegrate right in front of me. And this disease she had, they said, the doctors, it was amazing, you know, well, what can we do? And they said, nothing. It's going to keep getting worse until it stops progressing. We don't know how far it will go. And then it, it should reverse, they said. And she should start getting better, but we don't know how long it will take or how much better she will get. That was what the experts told us. But the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guarded our hearts and minds. I'm just telling you, I lived it. I don't know why I don't live it right now more often. God's faithful. 
He brought us through that. And there was such a sustaining power in the love of God through that period of our lives that He proved Himself faithful in those darkest moments, in the, in the most fearful moments, in the worst nights in the hospital. He showed us more about His love than the fact that He actually healed her. I, I don't know how even to explain what I'm telling you. Sometimes God allows things in your life that are very difficult. Now, He could have completely prevented that from happening, but it happened. And as I said earlier, a righteous man's steps are ordered by the Lord, though he fall, he will not be utterly cast down. Here's what I want you to understand with that story. I'm not trying to draw attention to myself or to my wife, but it's amazing. This beautiful woman is fine, and we have a daughter, and God has healed her. Praise His name. I'm not trying to draw your attention to that. I'm trying to draw your attention to the darkness and the pain and the struggle and say that which externally looked like it should have been the hardest thing I've ever been through was and wasn't. It was hard. But it was so clear that none of this was in my control. I wasn't just praying, I was supplicating. God, you have to help. If Nobody else can. The doctors, we don't, we can't do anything. You have to help, Lord. When you get to that point, that's what Watchman Nee calls the breaking of the outer man and the release of the spirit. A lot of you, your spirit, your spirit and the Holy Spirit is locked up inside of you. Underneath a hard shell of self-protection. And God wants to break that shell. And when he does, it will be painful and beautiful. Do you know you don't have to protect yourself? God does that. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And it's a beautiful thing. Will guard and keep your hearts and minds. I want you to know, I'm, I'm getting ready to wrap up. Maybe, Sister Jody, if you could get a, a song ready. I don't know the hearts of everybody here, and we have a lot of people listen online. I never know if people listening, have, if everybody's been saved, if you have struggles in your life. I don't know. I just preach what God puts on my heart. But I want to tell you this. It's, it's, it's not likely that any of you live in as much peace as you could live in. Because we're always pressing toward the mark. You can have more peace than you do. You can have less worry than you do. And if you've never been saved by the grace of God, like that man that I was talking to yesterday, <laughs> I didn't even believe in God. But he got a hold of me. Isn't that beautiful? It's not about your belief. It's not about anything you can do. It's about God and his mercy. As we sing this morning, everybody here, anybody listening now or later, Take some time to hear from the Holy Spirit. If He wants you to do something, if you need to repent, if you need to be saved, you can be. And if you just need to love Him and thank Him, do that as well. Let's sing together.